This podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be financial or investment advice. Seek a licensed professional for investment advice about crypto or any other investment. Welcome back to the Blazing Crypto Podcast. This is Brandon, and today I am recording solo. Uh, That's right, Justin is off on a beach somewhere. Uh, I assume it's not too overcast there, and he is getting in some some sun, some rays, uh, some relaxation. Uh, So he's away this week with family. So I guess you call that a trip, right? Not vacation. But uh, we hope Justin is enjoying himself uh, wherever he is. He'll be back next week uh, to begin or to continue uh, sort of our normal two-man setup. So you got me today. Hopefully that's not uh, too much of a letdown or discouragement. Uh, So today we want to continue our weekly update uh, format that we started last week. Uh, really considering of all of the news and events and happenings and headlines and musings of the last week in the crypto space and investment space, what are the handful of things that we really ought to be paying attention to? Some people talk about this as what is the difference between news versus noise and um, or, or identifying signal versus uh, all the clutter around it. So obviously it's our goal to help you know what matters most what we're paying attention to, and especially what things are going to endure, have lasting value, and are really worth understanding uh, at this at this point in the, the market. We're going to take these five items today as, as questions, and, and in part, these are not you know, directly submitted by a person, but they are questions being asked in the larger Twitter, crypto, Discord spaces. So um, I've pulled them, uh, we've taken some events, taken comments from people, questions from people, uh, and formulated those into sort of a, a Q&A, a Q&A segment that we will do for this episode. All right, so let's dive in. And the first one, yeah, I hate this, right? I hate having to talk about this. I hate having to dive into it and 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 even really like face the music on this. Um, if you know, if you are dialed in at all to crypto Twitter, if you have people you follow, newsletters you receive from you know larger larger platform folks. You know that this week, um, platf- uh, the Voyager platform, first of all, on the 1st of, 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 of July, a week ago, uh, last Friday, um, Voyager sent Voyager as an exchange trading platform, lending platform. Um, Voyager announced that they were suspending withdrawals because of the financial situation they were in. You remember that they, we mentioned last, um, last time that they had loaned um, a, a fund or an, a, an, an institution called Three Arrows Capital or 3AC, um, several hundred million dollars, and Three Arrows Capital was, was going to be defaulting on that loan. Uh, and so Voyager was trying to sort of get out from under that situation, um, but it did not look good. And uh, so on Friday, July 1st, Voyager suspended withdrawals. That meant if you had an account, you could get in, you could see your funds. But you could not send your funds anywhere else. You could not extract them from the platform. So essentially, you were stuck. And then the bad news really came on uh, midweek. I think it was Wednesday when Voyager actually filed for Chapter 11 uh, for bankruptcy protection. So, I mean, apart from you know, apart from forgetting your password and losing your funds that way, maybe apart from being hacked and sort of feeling the violation of having your your funds stolen 
I mean, I would say this, you know, having an exchange that you're on, that you have funds on, file for Chapter 11 has to just be the absolute worst outcome. Um, personally, I don't have any funds on that specific platform, even though it's one that we have recommended as reputable, viable, and, and it, it, it was, it, it, you know, it was, this is a, it's a bad thing. It's kind of a freak thing, right? Um, Voyager ended up making a bad financial decision, but it, it wasn't something that obviously in the eyes of the public, which is unfortunate. Uh, and we'll, time will tell, you know, whether there were bad, bad actors on their side or whether they were just the, the downstream recipient. They were one of the subsequent dominoes to fall after this three arrows capital collapse. So first of all, if, if you have funds on that platform, um, first of all, I would just say, I'm really sorry. Um, when I saw the news break, I mean, my stomach just dropped. Um, that's a very unique, specific, terrible, horrifying feeling to realize you've spent months or years accumulating funds and they're locked on a platform and you cannot do anything about it. Hopefully there's a silver lining here. Um, I would not assume that your funds are simply lost. Um, normally in filing for bankruptcy protection, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not paying out anything. Um, but I would, I would probably expect two things. Number one, you would not get your funds back in the form that you had them. So if you had Bitcoin and Ethereum tokens, uh, you probably will not get back Bitcoin and Ethereum tokens. Uh, you would probably be paid out in a stable coin. Uh, that's how it's happened on other platforms. And secondly, you probably won't get everything, especially if you are a you know a lower holder. And I assume anyone listening to this is probably does not have hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars on that platform. Um, I will shout out Justin. Uh, so uh, Blazing Crypto Justin, um, my co-host on 622. So this was about nine days, 10 days before Voyager locked their platform and suspended withdrawals. Uh, Justin actually on our Discord, our, our paid Discord group, um, actually posted, uh, and I'll read this just so you know I'm not making it up. Uh, he posted, he said, everyone, for people who have funds on Voyager, it became apparent that Voyager lent 3AC several hundred million dollars and they're close to defaulting. In this scenario, Voyager having a major borrower default puts it at risk and therefore assets held on Voyager could also be at risk. I don't currently have assets on Voyager, but if I did, I would remove them based on this news. For clarity, this doesn't mean necessarily Voyager is going under, um, but it's just not a risk I would be willing to take with my own money, and we wanted to let everyone know. So I don't say that to Victory Lap, anybody that lost funds. Um, I don't say that at all, but I, I do want to applaud and commend Justin uh, on our team for for getting that right and, and letting people know 10 days in advance. Um, a lot of our Discord audience pulled funds off of Voyager and moved them to Coinbase, moved them to a private hard wallet, cold storage. Um, I know that there are some funds, some USDC that somebody had staked uh, for interest reasons that, that did get lost. And again, that just makes me sick to my, my stomach. Um, a lot of fallout from this. We're actually going to talk about in, in towards the end of this episode. Even if this, you know, this Voyager making a bad decision on the lending side, Voyager going under, Voyager not managing their balance sheet well, that is not your fault, right? You did not cause that. You don't deserve that happening. But 
is there any learning we can extract from that? And we'll consider that uh, later at the end of the episode. All right, moving on, moving on. I saw a uh, second question here. I saw a question posed on one of the Discord groups I'm in last night. And a, a guy said, hey, I noticed this week that, that crypto Twitter really, like, it's just, it's turned positive. It's not doom and gloom. You know, are, does that, is that a sign that we're headed back up? Uh, and, did, you know, did something big must have changed, right? And sorry to say, no, um, we are not, quote unquote, headed back up in a, in a big bull market kind of way. Um, crypto Twitter changes, the sentiment on crypto Twitter changes like the wind. And, and I usually would sometimes do the opposite of whatever crypto Twitter is doing, expect, especially if there's a more of a mania, hysterical phase in the negative or positive directions. So um, one thing we have to be careful of here and we may talk about this at length in the future. Um, in a bear market, I mean, the price doesn't simply only always go down really sharply, right? The, it, an asset can only can only handle so much rapid downward price action, right? And and so we I mean it's not uncommon for an asset to drop eighty percent and then see a forty or fifty percent correction to the positive right and when that happens everyone goes um oh man like everything is recovered we're on the way back up this is the start of the next bull run and listen i was there i remember very specific dozens of conversations dozens of text messages where justin or, or i in 2018 2019 you know we're coming off of the 2017 highs we're amped, we're getting in, you know, we're going to take advantage of the next bull run. We want to get in before it happens. We would screenshot a chart. We would send it to each other and say, hey, this is it. This is the next bull run. Let's go, right? And, and Bitcoin had only gone up 5%, 8%, 10%. But after, all, I mean, after months and months and months of downward action, five straight days of green and, and it really does it really does mess with your psyche so all i would say is yes we we are seeing some positive correction some relief bounce here but no um mr guy on discord we are not we are not quote unquote headed back up uh something big has not changed and uh we will be here for a good while even though again i mean we dropped from bitcoin from 69k all the way down to 17k you know, bouncing up to 28, 32, 34 at some point here in a bear market. Yes, that is going to happen. And we will talk more about that in the future. But guard, guard your expectations. Guard the, is this it? Is this the big one? Um, commit to buying in really good ranges that you're happy with from a, to hold for four or five years. Um, like we've talked about long-term time frame, multi-year time frame. All right, moving to number three. Um pose a question this way. We talked a couple weeks ago about asking the question, is Bitcoin actually a hedge against inflation? Um, someone had asked us about that. I want to repose that question uh, and just say, you know, hey, Brandon, like, come on, is Bitcoin actually really a hedge against inflation? Here's what I'll say. I've done a good bit of reading into this topic. I've been listening, trying to listen to people from different parts of the sector. 
talk about inflation, talk about assets, talk about bonds, talk about gold, and talk about you know stock market equities, and just trying to gain more of a grasp. First of all, I'll say as a caveat, this financial market economic situation is a unique one, right? Um, some very unique things have happened in the last three years uh, that, that you know, it may be 40 or 50 years before those things happen again. I mean, we're in a situation where it's like you've got macro uh, economists like wondering if this is like something that happened in 1974, right? So this is, a, this is an uncommon scenario. Um, so in other words, what's happening in this time frame is not necessarily a, a pattern or a, a thing we want to compare against moving forward. That being said, I think the question is fair, right? Is Bitcoin a hedge against inflation? Here's what I'm going to do. Not to wiggle out of a question or wiggle out of a definition, but here's what I want to say. Hedge against inflation is probably not the right term. It's probably the wrong emphasis or focus or, or, or sort of um, accent. I'm, I'm not buying Bitcoin to sort of counteract my portfolio, right? I'm not a hedge fund manager. Um, I'm not going to be, you know long NASDAQ and short bonds or short, you know, commodities and long bonds. Like I, I'm not going to trade both sides of asset classes, right? Like that's not, I'm not an asset manager. I'm not a fund manager. Um, I'm not a, um, I'm not a hedge fund, you know, analyst or something like that. I am a simple, you know, retail, hopefully informed, um, long-term investor. So, I'm not, in other words, I'm not trying to achieve some like net neutral balance at all times, right? That's not what I'm trying to do. Now, some people have to do that. And so when they talk about hedges against inflation or hedge here, hedge there, they simply just have a very different goal in mind. If one thing is dropping like a rock, they need something diversified that's going up. You know, they need to stay on kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. I don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. So, Here's what I'd recommend thinking about. I think the best way to understand Bitcoin, and maybe even gold, maybe even real estate, if we talk in sort of those class of assets, is not a hedge against inflation, because right now inflation is high and the dollar is strong. We didn't think that could really happen together. It doesn't normally happen together. I think a better way of understanding it is that Bitcoin is protection against monetary debasement protection or insurance against a government simply acting in a way that devalues their own currency that debases their own monetary value it's also a protection against countries being you know uh, a little bit loose from a debt perspective maybe you see the word sovereign debt and again, that doesn't sound as catchy as hedge against inflation. But the point is, anytime I see countries, and you've got the extreme examples like Venezuela that actually print a ton of money as a way to sort of enslave their own people and oppress their own people, that's that certainly is an example, but it's an extreme example. Um, you've got countries all over the world just going crazy, loose monetary policy, printing money like it's going out of style, solving one problem you know, with, with, with printing money, which creates additional problems, 
Even the U.S. did that in the last couple of years, and we could debate whether that was good or bad or indifferent or whatever. But I hold Bitcoin. I buy Bitcoin. And I actively think about this as protection against monetary debasement. So that would be something I would just say, like, have an antenna up um, on news headlines uh, about printing more money. The, the operative phrase has been um, quantitative easing or QE. Uh, they'll probably rebrand that, change that, call it something different so it sounds different. But basically, whenever additional supply is being printed at a higher than normal rate, we are debasing the value of our monetary supply. And that is why I hold Bitcoin. So anyway, maybe just changing the angle, changing the, the framing on that term. You know, hopefully that's helpful. But think about it as monetary protection against monetary debasement. Not necessarily primarily a hedge against inflation, although long term, I think it does act in that in that way, but maybe not short term. And that's what we're looking at right um, right now. All right, number four, uh, number four. I want to take a few minutes here. All right, I'm going to dive into my own head a little bit here. How like how I think about something, my mindset, your mindset how you approach a topic, uh, that to me, that is the difference in success and failure in life. So whether it's business, whether it's parenting, whether it's how you spend your free time, how you spend your money, how you invest, how you trade, mindset is everything to me. So I'll also say uh, just an assumption I'm bringing to the table, uh, feel free to disagree with this. I like to, when something goes wrong, right? So you had funds on Voyager. Um, you bought something at the top. We'll talk about some of that in just a second. And it's down 85, 95%. When something goes wrong, our first instinct as humans is to often say, that's not my fault. I did not cause that, right? That should not have happened to me. Maybe one version of it would be, I'm the victim here, right? There's different phrases and, and language around that. But here's the point. Just because something is not directly 100% your fault, and this a lot of these things are not your fault, right? Even if you say, there's no way on earth I could have gotten that right or known that would happen. Fair enough. Even if it's not your fault. One thing I like to ask, the, one thing, question I like to ask in these situations when something goes wrong is, A, what can you learn from that situation to make you better in the future? B, what level of responsibility can you take going forward for making that situation go right next time? And that's very different than saying, whose fault is this? Um, a lot of times at a business, if an error happens, a mistake happens, a problem occurs, or something's not fixed, Usually there's someone that is mostly to blame or someone who is mostly responsible for why it went wrong. But often, often there's actually a different person that might have the best opportunity or be in the best position to actually keep it from happening again. So simply asking whose fault is this or saying it's not my fault, really it's like it almost robs us of the opportunity to get all the value out of a situation. So I'm a, you know, as a person, as a business person, as a business leader, as a you know family leader, I'm big on taking responsibility, right? 
even saying, hey, this isn't my fault, I didn't do this, but I am responsible for this going right next time. Um, I think it's best in life to be high responsibility, right? Low blame, low victim, that's just not not a good look, as they say. So I want to ask the question, how can we extract value from some of the mistakes or some of the things we wish would have gone differently in the last six months or six weeks or six days? So first of all, we all have regrets. We all make mistakes. No one's out there playing the market perfectly. That's not possible unless you have insider information, um, which you know we'll see if some of our people in Congress uh, would fall under that designation. Uh, not necessarily an accusation, but it is what it is. I'll give you this from my story. Four years ago, I lost funds due to an exchange I was on that got hacked. Was it my fault? Maybe, maybe not. It was a risky exchange. I had to go around a few loopholes to even get into it. You could argue I should have known better. I was young. I didn't realize this was even possible. And yeah, one day went to log in and the whole thing was locked down. I've never gotten my funds out. Now, thankfully, thankfully, it was hundreds of dollars, not thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds or millions of dollars. But I mean, that was hard-earned money, right? I had put that into the market. I was new to crypto. It was a big, big blow. Three years ago, I was chasing risky altcoins that I some of them I can't even name for you. Some of them don't even exist or they're at zero right now. I was chasing risky altcoins while Bitcoin was literally under $6,000 in price. So Bitcoin is at historic lows. And here I am chasing risky altcoins, trying to get some 20x, 100x, 1000x pump in the middle of a bear market, right? What a mistake. What a mistake. All right, third, you know, I bought I bought Bitcoin at 53,000 and 57,000 in 2021. Right? We were obviously hindsight being 2020, we were on the way down and here I am buying Bitcoin right at the top. I mean, fourth, I mean, good grief. You know, I funded a crypto Roth IRA in September of last year, or sorry, November of last year, and literally bought the almost stone top of Solana. So I have (laughs) in this long-term retirement investment account, I have Solana that I bought for $234 and I bought multiple of them, right? Um, I mean, again, absolute mistake. About as bad in that in that frame in that situation scenario. About as bad as it could have possibly been. Okay, so let's level set for a second. How do I process those regrets, mistakes? Obviously, you know those don't pale in comparison, or those pale in comparison to, I mean, Scott Melker, Wolf of All Streets, you know, big time guy in the crypto space. I think, frankly, one of the sharper people in the space on the retail side. It's really smart, really sharp. Um, he said on his on his podcast this week that he lost millions of dollars to Voyager going down. Millions of dollars. And that was just his primary parking space for his crypto, right? He didn't do anything wrong. You could argue it could have been diversified better, you know, whatever. And he still got all, a lot of his stuff on cold storage. But still, things happen. So let's level set. Not all mistakes are fatal, but some of them are, right? Do everything in life to avoid fatal mistakes. And that's even kind of a question here, right? Like what could go wrong here that I would regret forever? It's just a good question to ask. It's a bit morbid, but it's a good question to ask. Two, I mean, just frankly, not all mistakes are avoidable. 
Um, you kind of just have to live with it. You know, we're finite, we're human, we're limited. Stuff happens and you're not going to be able to avoid every mistake. You kind of just have to embrace it and accept it. And I would say extract value from it by learning, even if it's not quote unquote your fault. And third, kind of rolling into that, there's always, always, always something to learn. Even if the lesson you learn is that in life, things are simply outside of your control. So again, I'm just, I'm high learning, I'm high ownership, I'm high responsibility, I'm high on, I'm going to make this go right next time, right? Forget whose fault it is and all that, you know, all that blaming in the past nonsense. Um, Let's move forward. Let's be smarter. Um, So here, I'm going to make a recommendation, right? Going to make a recommendation. Obviously, losing funds sucks. Having exchanges locked sucks. Buying the top, like me, sucks. The question is, how will you be better from these experiences? Here's a recommendation. Put on your calendar 90 minutes. Go somewhere where you're not distracted. Library, coffee shop, a bench downtown, whatever. Take a notepad and a pen. Jot down your biggest regrets, biggest mistakes, and ask. begin asking yourself, why did that happen? Or, you know, what was going on in my thinking when I made that decision or when I decided to stay in the market or when I had instincts to do this, but I decided to do something different? Why did that happen? What was I thinking there? You know, what was I, what was sort of the competing emotions and, and, and thoughts in my head? And then finally, if that happened again, how would I respond differently? Now, you may need to ask yourself that those series of questions in loops of you know three or four or five times. A lot of times it takes asking questions three to five times to actually get to the foundational item, the real item, um, before you actually find out what the sort of the nugget or the principle or the lesson is. So, you know... I'll go back and repeat those mistakes that I made uh, and tell you kind of what I learned, how I did this process with myself, right? So in 2018, exchange gets hacked. I lose hundreds of dollars. And, you know, I remember 0.029 Bitcoin. That's all the Bitcoin I had at the moment. I lost all the Bitcoin I had. It wasn't a lot. But if Bitcoin hits 200K, that's, you know, that's $6,000 worth of money. It's something. Um so yeah, lost funds, exchange got hacked, was in a spot I didn't, I shouldn't have been in. What did I do? How did I learn? I ended up buying a hard wallet. I got it for Christmas that year, put it on my list. And since then, I have kept my Bitcoin um, on a hard wallet, most of my Ethereum on my hard wallet. Anything that I would be sick to my stomach to lose, and it would be essentially for me, really irrecoverable, it's on a hard wallet. It's not on an exchange. That's one way I learned from my mistakes. You know, I hated that I bought risky altcoins in 2018 and 2019 instead of buying Bitcoin when it was under 8,000, under 6,000, under 4,000. So what did I do? I set an allocation, you know, structure. I set allocation rules for myself that basically when I put new money in the market, it has to be in a certain percentage, right? I don't allow myself to put $500 into the market all on some risky altcoin. I basically built a fence around how much money I will allow myself to put into altcoins, but also what percentage of my portfolio 
at any given time altcoins can occupy. I also never, never, never trade Ethereum or Bitcoin downstream for altcoins, not even Solana, not even projects, tokens that I like. Never, ever, 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 ever will I let myself do that. That's learning from the past. And then finally, again, I hate that I bought the top of several assets. Not a lot I can do to change a global recession. And frankly, that's just okay. The good news there is I'm buying assets that I'm okay holding for five, 10 years, right? Solana, hopefully. (laughs) Bitcoin, certainly. And again, it's just called life. But again, if you lost funds, I am sorry. Um, Take some time off. You know, honestly, just take a walk. Take some time off. You know, if you're able to go to the beach, go to the mountains, just try to try to heal and recover. It sucks. And I'm, I'm deeply sorry for that. All right. The final question that we will take today is um, I'm seeing this a lot now, right? Um, when two weeks ago on a Saturday and Friday, Bitcoin is just dropping like a rock. Crypto is dropping like a rock. Everybody comes out of the woodwork. Bitcoin's going to 3K, 5K, 8K. Then you start seeing the questions. Well, it's like if Bitcoin's going to drop to 10K, like why would I buy at 20K? Why would I buy at 20 or 22 or 18K if it's going to go all the way to 10? So I want to want to talk about first of all, you know, I have no idea how low price will go. Um, if it goes to 10, I will buy there. I don't think it's going to 10, but I don't know. I'm not a. Uh, I don't have a crystal ball. There is a. Um, uh, I've talked about mental models in the past. Um, Jeff. Bezos, obviously founder of Amazon, his favorite mental model, the one he's sort of best known for, is called regret minimalization. Uh, Mental models exist as frameworks to basically help us quickly process a situation and move to action where we don't get sort of stuck. We don't have to analyze every last detail and and wonder and, you know, drive in circles for two or three weeks. Basically, it just helps us cut through. It's kind of like shortcuts, right? They're not perfect, but they're helpful. Regret minimalization is basically says in a scenario, I play out the two or three or four or five most likely scenarios, most likely ways this thing could go. And basically what outcomes happen. And I basically say, if that happened, which one would I regret the most if I took this action, right? So if I bought at 20K and Bitcoin went to 10K, or if I didn't buy at 20K, and Bitcoin never goes to 10K, and basically we end up at 30K, and I never get the chance to buy 20K again. That's an example. Which of those scenarios would I regret the most? Is it buying at 20K and then Bitcoin dropping to 10K, and I'm down 50% on that buy? Or is it not buying at 20K and then regretting once we hit 30 that I I didn't buy at 20 and I'll never see that number again, and if I want to buy, at 30, I'm buying 50% higher. So sort of a opportunity cost loss of being in 50% lower. Um, or I guess in that case, 33% lower. You understand. I think it's really helpful to think about, right? Because number one, we're not going to play it perfect. No one's going to snipe the bottom. Not even the sharpest people. Um, and that, that's kind of what I look at is for me, what I would regret most is not, is not chipping in funds here, not chipping in at 20. I mean, I, a week ago, uh, I bought a week ago, Friday, actually. Yeah, I bought, I, I spent a, a, for me, a decent amount of money behind Bitcoin at 19,175. 
yeah, I think we'll go lower. Um, I don't think this is the last time we're under 20K. But my mindset, again, if you've heard us say this, is I want to see, I don't care what the bottom is. I have long-term 10-year, 15, 20-year conviction on Bitcoin. Do not care what the bottom is. If it went to $1,000, it will not go to $1,000. If it went to $1,000, I will buy one or two or three or four Bitcoin. I, that would be a promise I would make to myself. But I want to get as many buys in the range of 16 to 20, 18 to 20, call it 10 to 20 if you want. I don't think we're going to 10K. I want to get as many buys responsibly uh, in that range as possible, which means I can't just wait for six weeks hoping it drops again or hoping, you know, hoping it goes down to 12K instead of 18K. Um, if it goes down to 12K, I will buy more, right? I'm, I'm good. I'm good there. However, if it's a year down the road and you still think we're going to drop again and we go from 28 to 38K in one week, you're not going to ever see 18K again, more than likely. It's possible. But the odds on favorite would be, you know, once we hit above 32, 35, 38, the 10K, 12K, 15, 16, 17K, the, those numbers become a lot less, um, more, a, a lot less likely. So again, my point is don't think about numbers, think about ranges, right? I think one of the best things you can do here, obviously not financial advice, pick assets you want to be in in four years and buy a little bit every week or whenever you get paid. And whether that's $25 for Bitcoin and Ethereum, whether it's $50, whether it's $500 for Bitcoin and Ethereum, just chip away, chip away, chip away. You will be shocked in 12 months how much not only crypto you have, but actually how much more USD value you have if you do that. Again, you know your situation. You have to evaluate your own risks, right? Your own allocations. But that would be my recommendation. It takes a lot of stress out and you don't have to time anything. The best thing about DCA buying dollar cost averaging is you make a great decision 10,000 times. And I think that is a great way to live life. All right. Like I said, Justin will be back next week. Excited to dive back into our discussions. We've got some cool things planned in the coming months here. Um, we're still moving forward. Um, again, crypt crypto exchanges getting uh, locked down sucks, but that is not going to stop us from moving forward. So thank you for listening today. Um, looking forward to being back with you next time. So for Brandon alone here, uh, all by myself, uh, we will see you guys next time. See ya. For more information, check out our website at blazingcrypto.io. Additionally, if you have friends that are new to crypto, share our trailhead videos from our website, which is a great way to get introduced to crypto.